Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. Listen to me, dads, today. I don't care if you get a 401k going. I don't care if you get a good life insurance policy going. Those are all wonderful things. Go out and do the responsible thing. But the most important thing that your house can be left behind with after you're gone is the spirit of Almighty God. Leave behind some oil. Make sure there's some oil when you're gone because somebody is going to need that oil to survive in the next generation. I want us to knock on every door. I want us to ask every stranger. I want us to go searching and seeking because the oil will continue to flow as long as there's still one empty vessel out there that needs to be filled. As long as there's still one person that needs Jesus Christ, the oil will not stay, but it will continue to flow. or we're nothing (laughs) you might as well go down to the club down the street and sit around with your buddies and your friends and tell jokes and you know get something to eat and have conversation because church without the anointing is just nothing more than a social gathering amen I'm not interested in social gatherings I'm interested in spiritual gatherings amen I want the spirit of the Lord to be in this place today oil has always represented the Spirit of God in the Word of the Lord. It's a crucial element in so many things that took place in the Bible. You see where kings were anointed, prophets carried the oil with them. When they pulled the oil out, something special was about to take place. Somebody was about ready to be promoted to a higher level. Somebody was about to experience something that they had not yet experienced because of the anointed oil in biblical days. Oil is even still considered a very high commodity in our world today. There are actually four wars that have coined the term oil wars. Wars that were fought over oil. Why? Because humanity sees the value of oil. There is a precious commodity As a matter of fact, it was oil that took that one special family out of the hills of Tennessee or Kentucky. I'm not quite sure which it was. You may have heard of them, the Clampets. They're rather famous. Come on, you know the song, Black Oil, you know, Texas Tea. Landed those hillbillies right in the middle of Beverly Hills. The thing I love about it was, somebody said it, they didn't change. They didn't change. It's oil that is at the center of our story today, but not crude oil, not the old black stuff that comes fresh out of the ground, but a clean and pure olive oil. An oil that even today is used for consumption. It's good for you. Second Kings chapter 4. 
There's a lot that takes place right here in this little short story of an unla uh, unnamed widow. I'm going to read the first four verses for you and then get into the word of the Lord today. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. A little bit of a scary situation that she's in. Elisha says to her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? What do you got that we can use? What do you got that we can that we can profit from? How, how, what do you have? G give me something to work with. What, what do you have in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house. But then she stopped. And it dawned on her. You know how sometimes you'll say, I don't know if this matters or, or not. This is probably insignificant. But she says, the only thing that I can think of that we still have left is a pot of oil. Elisha said, go, borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. He's telling her, get as many as you can. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. I just want to preach to you for the next short time that we have together this morning. God needs your vessel. God needs your vessel your vessel praise the Lord you may be seated today some of the greatest miracles that we have ever read recorded in the Bible times were born from some of the most critical situations even our modern day miracles today oftentimes we see where people when they get desperate into a place where nothing else matters. All they can think about is that they need the Lord to step into their situation. We have watched some of the greatest, most well-known miracles to ever be performed stem from some of the most critical and crucial situations in someone's life. And so I say to you today that are here, if you have a need... If you have brought with you today something that is beyond your ability to accomplish, if you've stepped into this service today not understanding how or when God might be able to take care of what it is that's burdening your heart, I want you to know today, don't you give up and don't you quit because some of the greatest miracles you're ever going to experience in your life are going to come from some of the darkest places that you've ever been asked to walk in your life. Don't you ever think that God is in a place where his power is not powerful enough to meet your need or your situation. Amen. God had designed us 
to accomplish things through a symbiotic relationship between the creator and the creation. And it's not that God can't do things on his own. We all can read the Bible in Genesis where it starts off by saying God said this and God said that. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Just as simple as that. There was no mankind. There was no humanity that was on the scene at that time. He didn't work through a man. He didn't have a man create light. He simply spoke things into existence. All the way down to day number six, when he finally decided that it was time to create his ultimate creation. And this creation wasn't just going to inhabit the earth in order to make the earth move and and work but no this creation was going to be a special creation because for the first time God reached down and with his hands he picked up the dust of the earth and he created and formed it into the shape of a man and as that man was lying there lifeless the Bible declares to us that he breathed the breath of life into that ball of dirt and man became a living soul unlike anything else that he had created God has designed us to accomplish things it is his plan will and desire to use people as his vessels filled with his spirit to do and accomplish his will There's a lot of things that you and I may not have. There's a lot of answers you and I may not have. There's a lot of problems in this world that people have needs for that you and I may not have the ability, the finances, whatever it might be in order to take care of their need but I take you to a place where Peter and John were walking and they came to a gate where there was a man that was begging just to get through another day he said fellas do you have any change got any spare change jingling around in your pocket that you can throw my way so I can maybe get a bite to eat Maybe I can get through another day. Maybe I can buy some balm or whatever it is that I need. Just something in order for me to survive. And those two apostles looked at him and they said, silver and gold have I none. I don't have any money. I don't have what you're asking for. But such as I do have, give I unto thee. And with that, he said, child, rise up and walk. And that man got up from that gate and he began to walk on legs that had not had strength for a long, long time. You see, I find two things in that little story right there. Number one, you cannot give what you don't possess. They couldn't give him any money. Why? Because they were broke. They didn't have any money to give. We've all been there. We've all seen the guy standing there with a sign before and your heart breaks and and you want you want to you want to help them out but but you reach into your wallet and you don't find anything there we've all been down that road a time or two where we don't have anything to give and you can't give even if you want to give because you have nothing to give but what the man was asking for God knew was not what he really needed 
And so what these two men said was, I don't have what you're asking for, but I've got something a whole lot better. I'm telling you one thing, a balanced budget is not going to save our world. A greater finance is not going to save our world. Amen. A a bigger and more powerful nation is not going to save our world. If anything is going to save our world, it's going to be the power of the Holy Ghost moving through God's people, moving through God's vessels. The setting today is one that would make most of us cringe were in our situation. I could see myself breaking out in a cold sweat, my stomach sinking, as empty as it might be because there's no food in the house. And now you're telling me that I owe a debt. And in order for me to pay off the debt, that debt, you're going to come take my two children, the only two things I have left. We don't have her name, but we do get a description of her circumstances. The Bible says that her husband was one of the sons of the prophets. Now, this was not an easy time to be a Christian. This was not an easy time to be one of the sons of the prophets. They weren't held up in great regard uh, in large scale, but no, they were looked down on. They were disdained. It was a time of apostasy. It was a time where everybody worshipped Baal. And so to be the sons of the prophets didn't mean that you stood behind a big glass pulpit with a nice white suit in a big crystal or someplace, and thousands came to hear what you had to say. It meant that you were looked down upon. Her husband's now dead, and not only has he left her with two sons to take care of, but he's left behind debt. Debt that she can't repay. She has no ability to repay it. She has no money, no finances, no work. She has no idea what she's going to do. The creditors are knocking at her door, wanting their money. She said, I'd like to help you. It's not that I don't want to pay you, but I don't have anything to give. You cannot give what you do not possess. They're not very kind. They're not very understanding, just as the world can be very unkind and not very understanding. The wolves will come knocking at the door someday. The world will not be patient and kind and loving as Jesus Christ is. The world will not be compassionate. The world doesn't know what it means to give. The world doesn't know what it means to sacrifice. The world has got an appetite that will never be satisfied. It will always want more. The creditors will always come knocking to collect the debt. She tells them, I don't have anything to give give you. It's not a time when churches are doing very well. The sons of the prophets don't have a large cash stock someplace Back in the back room, they they can't help her out that much. Even though she was the wife of one of the sons of the prophets, 
She belonged to that elect group, that 7,000 that refused to bow a knee. She, she was a part of them, and she believed in God, and she believed in this way, even though it wasn't popular, but there was really nothing that they could give her because they didn't possess any finances either. She's in what seems to be a hopeless situation. Nobody's coming to her rescue. You ever felt like that? I've got friends, but they can't fix my problem. I've got people that, that are associates and acquaintances. People that I know like me, but they don't have the answer. She had no one that could help her out of her situation. It's hopeless, and now the creditors are going to come and make her two boys slaves. A bondman wasn't something that just lasted for a little while, but if you research the word here, it's a lifetime commitment. You're just a slave. You do what you're told, and you never are free from it. And she, I can imagine, is already tormented by the fact that they might take her sons away. But now she's even tormented in a greater way by thinking, not only are they going to take them away to a better place, it'd be one thing if, if an aunt came or a family member came and took them off to a place where they were going to be taken care of and educated. But my sons, they're not going to be educated. They're not going to be loved. They're going to become slaves. Elisha says, I want to help you. Do you have anything that I can work with? Do you have anything that I can take in my hand? Do you have anything that I can take and present to God on your behalf? Maybe you can sow a little bit. Maybe we can get you set up, you know, if, We've got enough money in the till that we could go get you some needles and some thread and maybe you could sew and begin to pay off the creditors. No, I can't sew. Well, do you have any cooking skills? Well, yeah, I actually am a pretty good cook, but, but uh, if you look at my cupboard, you'll, you'll see I've already told you I don't have anything in the house. There's not a box of Fruit Loops left in the cupboard. <laughs> There's no oatmeal left. My mom used to tell the story of how she got so aggravated with my dad when they were just a, a young married couple. My dad uh, had me when he was 20 years old, and they had moved up to Rockford. And my mom said we were living in this little trailer, and dad was just kind of getting on our feet a little bit. And dad, uh, he wanted to go out and get his pilot's license. So she said he was taking his money and go, going and getting his pilot's license. She said, you and I were sitting at home eating oatmeal. I think she's still a little bitter about that at times. <laughs> there wasn't even any oatmeal in the house to eat. I mean, obviously I survived. We ate oatmeal. It's what we had. But you can't really survive off of oil alone. All she had was a pot of oil. Of all the things I have extra stock of, <laughs> you know, 
like you're going through the back of the refrigerator and and you can find some some old bologna and if you cut the the end of it off where it's gotten all dark and hardened you know you can probably still eat uh some of that without getting too much food poisoning and survive you know that old celery stick that's wilted over you know, you cut it up and throw it in a, in, a, in a pan and saute it up and it's soft anyway that way and you don't think about it being half rotten. She didn't even have that. She had nothing. Save a pot of oil. Why couldn't the husband, why couldn't he have made sure, now maybe he didn't know he was going to die. You know, maybe he, he didn't have any realization, but you would have thought that of all the things, the last thing for them to run out with, it would be some food, maybe some dried fish someplace, maybe some beans, maybe some rice, maybe something that had been put away just in case. But there was nothing but oil. But I want to call your remembrance to this man because he so often gets overlooked when this story is being preached about. We talk about the widow. We talk about the sons. We talk about the oil and how it kept flowing. We talk about Elisha, and we just gloss right over the dead husband. Because the Bible tells us that he was someone that was special to the Lord. He was one of the sons of the prophets. And then the light bulb goes off in my mind. Aha. No wonder there was oil in his house because to the prophet there was nothing more precious than the oil. He didn't go down to the marketplace without having the oil on him. What if somebody needs prayed for? What if somebody needs anointed? Amen. What if God calls me to anoint something or someone or someplace? I'm going to need to have my oil. He, he took that oil with him everywhere he went. He didn't step out on the front porch unless he had the oil on him. Why? Because he was a son of a prophet. He was a man of God. He was somebody that knew the significance of the oil. And so, my friend, it's no surprise to me that the one thing that they had in the house, listen to me dads today, I don't care if you get a 401k going, I don't care if you get a good life insurance policy going, those are all wonderful things go out and do the responsible thing, but the most important thing that your house can be left behind with after you're gone is the spirit of almighty God, leave behind some oil, make sure there's some oil when you're gone because somebody is going to need that oil to survive in the next generation when all else fails when you got nothing left when you look around it seems like everybody hates you for the name of Jesus and it's coming the Bible declares that you're going to be hated for my name's sake you're not going to be the most popular. You're not might be very well liked. And there might be people who look cross-eyed at you when you still serve God. But you keep serving God anyway. You hang on to the oil because the oil needs you to be the vessel that holds the oil. <laughs> the 
pantry might get bare and the wolves may knock at the door. But if you want your children saved, make sure there's oil in your home. If you don't want your children to become slaves to the world, the one thing that can save them from a lifetime of slavery will be the power of the Holy Ghost in your home. You gotta have some oil left behind. If you can't find anything to eat, if your closets are bare, if all the water runs dry, make sure that when you go to one place, you still have some oil in the vessel. Amen. Make sure that there's still a beard in the presence of God because you can take that all the way to the grave and it'll go beyond the grave and it can save your family for generations to come. Elisha tells her what to do. He says, go borrow every vessel you can find. I want you to knock on doors of all your neighbors. I want you to knock on doors of every stranger. It doesn't matter to me who it is. You find somebody with empty vessels. They can't be full vessels. Don't get full vessels. I want you to find every empty vessel that you can find that's out there. Every empty vessel that you and your son can get your hands on. I want you to gather those vessels and bring them back into the house. Bring every empty container that you can find and bring it home. Once you're behind closed doors, I want you to take the pot of oil that's been in your house. It's the only thing you have left. And I want you to begin to take that pot of oil and I want you to begin to begin to pour the oil out of your vessel into the empty vessels that you've gathered. And once you get that oil all the way to the brim of that vessel, have one of your sons move it over the side and bring another vessel. Don't you stop pouring the oil. You just keep on pouring the oil. And the oil is going to continue to flow. And the oil continued to flow as it began filling every vessel that had room for more oil to go inside of it. Don't you stop. Don't you stop pouring till every empty vessel is filled. There is at no point any time in the history of the church until the day that Jesus Christ comes and calls his church home that we are ever going to be satisfied as long as there is one empty vessel that can be found. I want us to knock on every door. I want us to ask every stranger. I want us to go searching and seeking because the oil will continue to flow as long as there's still one empty vessel out there that needs to be filled there's still one person that needs Jesus Christ. The oil will not stay, but it will continue to flow. It's a sad thing when a Pentecostal church no longer has the operation of the Holy Ghost going on inside of it. It's a sad thing when a Pentecostal church is satisfied just by having a good service, but they haven't had anybody new or fresh come in. No empty souls have walked through our door. Amen. It's a sad thing when we become satisfied with who we are and what we have, but we must continue to search because the oil is always looking for another vessel it continues to pour and it continues to flow only when there is a need for something to be filled. 
She does exactly what Elisha told her to do. The man of God told her to do something crazy, and she said, okay, what have I got to lose? You mean, God, how in the world? I don't have that much oil. This not a real big pot. I, you know, sooner or later, I mean, just add it up. This, you don't have to be a great mathematician to figure out that this oil is going to run out pretty quick. But she didn't question him. She did exactly what he told her to do. The vessels are filling up and stacking up. Bring me another. Some would grab another. They'll some take, set that one aside just as the prophet told them. Keep it going. And Mama said, hey, bring me another one. And the son looked around and said, Mom, that's it. There aren't any more vessels. What are we going to do? And the oil's still flowing. It's still flowing. It's almost to the top. It's at the brim. And the Bible said that when the last vessel was filled, the oil stopped flowing. But not until the last vessel was filled. I want you to imagine with me what would have happened had the oil continued to flow where there were no more containers to receive it. What kind of a mess? And even greater yet, what kind of a waste would it have been to see all that oil running all over the floor, soaking into the ground? You see, the oil was never intended to be wasted. It's too valuable for that. The Holy Ghost was never intended just to be put inside of you as a container and then not flow through you. You leave oil in a container too long, it'll turn rancid on you. It'll be no good. Oil must be used. Oil must be consumed by something. God never intended for his spirit, for his oil to set stagnant not as long as there's an empty container, but he won't allow it to be wasted either. Amen. At some point, we have got to start looking around and seeing where can I find an empty vessel or we're going to find ourselves rancid on the inside. Why? Because the oil was never intended just to be poured in and left alone. No, it's to be poured into a container so that it can be poured into another container and another container and another container until every empty container is filled she found herself in a place where she had more money than just enough to get her out of debt I can pay off my debt and paying off my debt I saved my children from a lifetime of slavery hey amen you got a debt that needs to be paid off you got a debt that you couldn't pay off by yourself you got a debt that you couldn't pay off until God filled your container with something of value. He paid the debt off for you. Amen. You didn't have to buy this oil. This oil was given to you freely. Amen. But it came from a home where the oil was of importance. It came from a home where somebody valued the oil enough that it put it over and above food. It put it over and above clothing. It put it over and above everything to where it got to the place where there was nothing left except for oil 
saved our home, saved our children. But it was also enough to provide for tomorrow and next week. <laughs> he said, I want you to take the oil now that you've got enough. Thank God they had enough faith to go out and get plenty of vessels. You, you remember the story where <clears throat> the king was told to, to strike the arrows? He only struck the arrows three, time, three times. He was half-hearted about it. Yeah, 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 whatever. We'll struck, strike these three arrows and, and get this over with. I'm just here to appease the old, the old prophet, you know, the old man of God. He, he, he just tell me to do something. But there was something to it. You see, your faith means something when it comes to the oil. The vessel matters when it comes to the oil. The vessel is the structure that the oil resides in. And the oil needs some structure in order for it to be contained. Amen. The oil was valuable, but without a vessel to hold it, it would have been wasted. Amen. God's spirit moved upon the face of the earth, the Bible says, and things began to happen. But when God moved inside of his vessels, that's when things became eternal. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, but you and I and the soul that God created in you you are going to live forever somewhere and I want you to live in heaven and if you're going to live in heaven you must have the oil where music come today you might be here with a need something that's beyond your ability to accomplish on your own Amen. But God is here to meet that need. Peter and John said, we have no money. There's a lot of things I can't do for you. Some problems that you might have that I have no answer for. But such as I have, i tell you this much, I can fall upon my knees and let the oil begin to churn inside of me. I can go to the Lord and I can pray for you in the spirit and God can begin to do the miraculous and he can provide for you things that I could never provide for you. Bible says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us hard pressed on every side I was hoping you'd tell me that once I got the oil that be smooth sailing it was going to lubricate everything and make everything just flow real nice Now you're telling me hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. You might find yourself perplexed, but you don't have to be in despair. You might get persecuted, but you'll never be forsaken. You might get knocked down, but you won't be destroyed.
God never promised that you wouldn't get hurt in your journey walking with him. That you would never take a shot. That you would never experience a black eye or a bloody nose. But he said, nothing that comes your way can destroy you. Because you have this treasure in your earthen vessel. Nothing special about the vessel other than the fact that it was created to house something very important. Just as you were created for the presence of God to inhabit your life. Don't you ever think that you're not important to what God is trying to accomplish? We know that it's Him that has the power the spirit that has the value but it's the vessel that keeps the oil from being wasted I remember tongues and interpretation from this pulpit several years ago it stuck with me for a long time and it began by saying waste not the blood you know the blood that was shed at Calvary's cross wasn't just your average blood we can either take it and apply it or walk away and let it fall to the ground. And I would say the same thing about the oil today, the spirit that was purchased for you and I on Calvary with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You are the vessel that the oil, the treasure has chosen to dwell within. What you have inside of you has the power to get you through your darkest days. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you have had relationships fall apart of no fault of your own. Some of you are carrying around with you the scars of battles. Some that you've won and some that you've walked away from barely surviving. And yet here you are. Because the oil can heal the oil has the power to keep your children from becoming a slave the oil has the power to provide for your future I don't know who holds I don't know what tomorrow holds but I know who holds tomorrow people with the oil can say that rise up with confidence and if you leave nothing else behind if I stand on this platform and I preach and say the final words over you as you're laid out in a casket somewhere should the Lord tarry I stand at your graveside and speak the final words that are spoken before they throw in the dirt over the top of your final resting place on this earth If you leave nothing else behind, if you don't have a lot of money to leave your children, make sure they have the heritage of the Holy Ghost. 
Make sure that you leave behind a home where your children can come in and remember the power that they used to feel when daddy prayed or when mama sang or when the Spirit of God would come in. Make sure you leave that behind because there's coming a day that the creditor will come knocking at their door and they're going to need to find some oil somewhere in the house. Would you stand today? I've got to stop. I'm feeling so burdened right now. I'm feeling so convicted right now. It's too easy to just let our wallets take care of our problems. It's too easy to just let our prescription take care of our problems. But is there any oil? Is there any oil in your cabinet? If everything else is lost and you have nothing left, and the man of God stopped by your house, will he find anything that he can use to get you out of your problem? Or will it be a place of barrenness? Will it be an empty place? Will it be a vessel that has nothing inside of it? In order for the vessels that are empty to be filled, there must be at least one that contains the oil. If you've been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you've been called for a purpose. You've been called to be a light. You've been called to be a light in a dark world. If you go back to the old tabernacle, you'll see where they had the candlesticks and they call them the golden candlesticks. They were 75 pounds of solid gold that were hammered and shaped into seven candlesticks. But they really weren't candlesticks as much as they were oil lamps because they would take the candlesticks and they would put a measure of that olive oil into each cylinder and then they would drop a wick into it and the candlesticks were never to go out because God's holy of holies was never in Tended to be in the dark. We don't understand it that much today because we flip a switch, we grab a flashlight. But in biblical times, every home, every house, every room practically had an oil lamp that was filled with the oil and it was lit to bring light into darkness that's why it's no surprise to me that as they gathered around and 120 were in an upper room a mighty rushing wind flew into that place and they began to speak in unknown languages as the spirit of God gave them the utterance as they received a promise as they were filled with something as the earthen vessel received its treasured oil and the Bible says that something very strange a phenomenon that they could see with their eyes not just hear with their ears because upon each and every one of them that were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost they said that there were cloven tongues like as a fire that set upon each one of them you and I are the 21st century candlesticks 
that in order for there to be a flame, there must be a fuel. If your flame is not burning as bright as it should, if your flame has been extinguished, it's not the fault of the flame. You might want to check the level of your oil. Maybe your vessel has become dry. There's such a power of the Holy Ghost in this place right now. I want to open these altars to you right now as they begin to sing. Maybe you're a little bit dry. Maybe it's been a while since you've won a soul. Maybe it's been a while since you've reached out to a neighbor, called a loved one that's backslidden. Maybe it's been a while since you felt the presence of God in your life. But that doesn't mean that God is not there. He's still reaching out to you. He's looking for your empty vessel because there's enough Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.